guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, high school is a drag, and we cannot wait for the real world. Or can we? Because we're talking about Ghost World. So let's start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> where in the hell are we? I'm so sure. Want a date? Listen, sister, if I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. This whole thing is turned into a theatrical mockery. You understand that, Mike? Stop eating my sesame cake. Just look like you like me, and let's span time, all right? No. It snakes up to this big. Wolfman's got nards. What did I say? No jelly rolls. What are you going to do to me, Daddy? And you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. Because, hey, motherfucker. Hey guys, thanks for joining the call this week. We really appreciate it. Do us a favor, head over to our iTunes page, leave us a review. We will give you a shout out at the end of the show. We got one to do. Oh, hell yeah. Really? We got one to do. Oh, so right. uh, we'll be doing that at the end of the show. Uh, Kyle, what will they be getting? What's that? At the end of the show? What will they be getting? What will they be getting? Yeah, what? what? Oh, oh, I know what you're eating. Shout out! <laughs> there you go. They'll be getting a shout out at the end of the show. Why, why did you do that? Is that what I was supposed to do? That's what you do. That's your thing. You're not I, doing your thing. You're not doing your shtick. You're dropping the shtick already. You didn't. No, no, I did. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't in it. Sorry. I'm in it now. Okay. I'm in it. Guys. You didn't expect it. Yeah. I, come up. So I, I, I literally wasn't expecting there to be a review this. Okay. Week. So you want me to start over then? No, no, no. I'll just get your shit together. Copy that in. Off. Yeah. Get your fucking off. Yeah. Yeah. Get your Mike. As always, I am joined by Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Wilbrecht. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salustio. Shout out! Shout out! Tonight, <laughs> we're talking about Ghost World. It was directed by Terry Zwigoff. Came out in 2001, had a budget of $7 million, made $8 million in the box office, was fil- box office, hello, was filmed here in the U.S. and has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. This was Mike's pick. Mike, why'd you pick Ghost World? I picked Ghost World because I was convinced I had seen this film. And I was wrong. Really? <laughs> no, I, I. Well, I mean, I, I've seen like maybe the end of it, right? But then I got it mixed up with Welcome to the Dollhouse. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like I got like totally mixed up with these two films. It's, yeah, if they have a similar. There were offbeat. a lot of parts that I thought I was like, yeah, when that one thing happened, and it wasn't. It was. I was thinking of Welcome to the Dollhouse. Right. Um, I just really wanted to pick something a little bit more modern, a little bit more uh, contemporary. Gotcha. And I went with Ghost World. Plus, I'm really into ghost adventures now. Yeah. And uh, I will say I was a little disappointed there were no ghosts. Zero in ghosts in this movie. Not a single fucking Although, ghost. Although, actually, I kind of have a question about ghost. that. There might be might one be ghost. ghost. We'll might be a ghost. We'll talk about it, though. Might be a ghost. Has anyone seen this fil- uh, not seen this film before? Let's ask that. I'm looking at Kyle. Um, <laughs> so, um, I'm kind of in the, the same side. boat as Mike. I thought I'd seen it, but I realized uh, after watching it that for some reason... The only scenes I've ever seen is when they're uh, doing the garage sale. I've seen that scene probably like a thousand times, but I don't know why. I think it's in the trailer. <laughs> that might be why. <laughs> he remembers the trailer. It might be why. Times, like, I mean, it I might know. be. And I thought the same thing when I heard the it's title Ghost World. I thought Ghost, and then I saw the cover art, and I said, not Ghost. Chris? Yes, I've seen this before. When did you see it? I've seen it a few times, and I saw it probably, I don't know, maybe when I was like, well, probably when it first came out on home video, you know, was that 2001, 2002? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, it seems like a film you'd rush. Well, to we were definitely. No, we were working dude. at we were working <laughs> at Hollywood Video at the time. 
and Co- and yet Cody. I, didn't oh, that's rush true. To yeah, yeah, we were. So so I probably picked it up there. Um, that's and, why I saw it. That's you know, why I saw. It. I rented it from Hollywood Video. Definitely, just felt like yeah. I don't know. Felt like offbeat and quirky. So this is something I would definitely check out. That's why I, I checked it out too. In high school, it was the, because it's like oh, the <laughs> kind of chicks I like. <laughs> What's yeah. this about? Like honestly, hot art chicks. Yeah, yeah, and then you pick it up and you're like, okay, this is like a good movie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I legit, I legit thought, I legit thought just by looking at the box art, I avoided this movie because I legit thought it from the box art it just looked boring. Yeah, well, yeah. So I could see that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of pe- a lot of people gave that as a a criticism that it was you know they thought it was a little more boring as the as the movie itself. Yeah, I mean we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Saying, I think that's a topic to be brought not saying up. We do, but yeah. Uh, Let's talk about other people and their opinions. Have you looked into whether or not the company that owned Hollywood Video will give us money every time we give them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're, I'm just trying to try figure out why you're still name dropping. I'm not trying to bring the shit out of. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cover it up. Uh, H Video, no, that's too easy. Hollywood V, <laughs> the HV <laughs> sounds, sounds like it sounds yeah. like a veneer. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a HV, it's HVV. <laughs> oh, I got the, I got the right? HV last night, guys. Hollywood uh, Video Vault. Yeah, we got a, Oh, I like that. Uh, HVV. Cool. That's what we should call this show. Yeah, hey, we call don't H- anyone H- steal that out there. Yeah, can we can we find some way to use the acronym HPV? Because that'd be oh a lot God. funnier. <laughs> it's, HPV is never funny, Hollywood Kyle. porno <laughs> video. We need to get down with some plots with Mike. Yeah, I mean. Best, episode, best part of the show, I think. I think that's been confirmed I mean, that's by people, many people out there. A lot there of people writing in reviews. In the yeah. ghost world, which is what I'm about to talk about. Ghost world. Throwing Thora Birch. A lot of excitement in the wild. And uh, they both play these uh, two two friends out of high school named Enid and Rebecca. One is a very common name, one is <laughs> not so common name. I heard her name is Edith the whole time. I also heard Edith. Also but... not a very common name. No, but that's uh, that's <laughs> but why I was like, oh, that's... I also never knew yeah. that uh, Scarlett Johansson's character's name was Rebecca, so learn something new right yeah, now. Yeah, well, that's they kept, true. They, they kept calling each other different names throughout. Yeah, I guess it was kind of like that. Starts Enid and Rebecca. They have this plan. They want to move into an apartment together. Um, everything seems to be going fine until it, Rebecca comes up with this idea where she kind of like she finds like what I guess was the old school version of like Missed Encounters. Yeah, that's on uh, what Lost is it, Connections. Lost Connections. That's yeah. what it is. And they find this thing in the paper. This guy talking about like I think I had a connection with you. Blah blah blah. So they decide to call this guy's number and have them meet them at a diner. Right, and then they just kind of sit back and watch this poor bastard like drink a milkshake, <laughs> and they don't say anything. And then he kind of goes off, but but Enid is inf- like is is infatuated with this guy. Like he's she's super interested in what this dude's all about. And they track him back down to like a thrift, like a thrift shop. Is it was what would you call that? Garage sale. Yeah, yeah, garage sale. Right, and this guy's selling these super rare records, and they kind of. <laughs> talk to him a little bit about it, and then uh, Enid and Seymour, they kind of get to like each other, right? Because Enid is uh, a, a kind of a weird soul, and Seymour has some interesting records and music that she's never heard of. So she kind of just keeps following Seymour around. Now, as this is happening, her and Rebecca, they start kind of having a riff. Like, they're not really agreeing on the same things. They're not really simpatico anymore. And... You know, Enid, in this weird kind of infatuation with Seymour, she tries a lot of different things. She tries to get a job. She can't hold it down. She tries to follow this same path that her and Rebecca have have planned out for themselves, and it just doesn't work. Like, she just keeps falling it keeps falling to the wayside. Um, and really, as this thing kind of goes on, it's really about Enid's journey and trying to really discover what she really wants in life, I think. And uh, it, 
it, it kind of, uh, how can I put this? Like, I don't want to give away the plot quite yet because I know we're going to talk about it, but uh, it takes a turn. It takes a twist. That's, Things happen. There you go. That's good. Relationships. <laughs> yeah. The twist. Yeah, I don't know if it's very, very. It begets very, very M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens just start peering under that's the door. The, that's <laughs> the answer. And their weakness is water, which is in our atmosphere. Yeah. So <laughs> let's take a break. That wasn't a dig at me. That was a dig at M Night Shyamalan. It is definitely a dig at M Night Shyamalan. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about plots with Mike. About plots with Mike. <laughs> Do you have any other old records besides these? Seymour does. Who does? Oh, uh, him. Seymour. He's, uh, he's the man with the records. Um, do you have any old Indian records? Indian records? Uh, yeah, you know, like old Indian 1960s rock and roll music. I may have one Hindu 78 in my collection from the 20s, but it's, uh, it's not really for sale. I, I, I don't really collect foreign. And we're back. We're talking about Ghost World. It was Mike's pick. Came out in 2001. This is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty new for us. Pretty modern. I don't know. It's no Turbo Kid. It's no Turbo Kid. That's true. Anyways, the one thing I want to talk about right off the bat is I cannot figure out where the fuck this budget went. <laughs> <laughs> what was the budget? Seven, Seven million. million. Yeah. So I feel like this wait, film, but that's incredibly small. I feel. For a movie yeah, I can tell time. you where it went. I feel like this movie could have been made for literally a million dollars. No, I'll tell you where yeah. it went. And, and where? How? Well, one of the things that I that I think ate, ate some budget, and I read about I, I read about this. Not that it ate budget, but this was a choice made by the director. But the director wanted um, the town to look desolate, so shot on a lot of empty streets, which means shutting down yeah, parts of the city. In Los that costs a lot of fucking money to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I went to. They so he, want, he wanted this town to look fucking no, vacant. I, I, you can go to I, another I, cheap town and do that. I'll you agree do with Angeles. the fact that like there there's some there's some de- there's some details to this film that would require a lot of control over the set, yeah. which would re- require a lot of money. Like I know it's not a big like action packed story or anything like that, but like I just feel like yeah, like like what you said, the settings, like a lot of the settings, what do you- like. It like, takes place like there's little things you can do that in different towns. They make other towns look like are, are LA you all the time. Me? Are you, are you, no, you I, know how much it costs to make a fucking uh, city block look empty. I also think it has to do with the actors. I think Thor yeah, Birch was Thor Birch. She was pretty big. This was after American Steve Beauty, Bichetti. right? Brad Renfro, right? Brad Renfro's like he was big at this time. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he's barely in this movie, but I feel like you have to pay all those people off. Like I definitely don't off. think the set design and the setting is really the expense. Like you should have, have to, been. You have to buy the should have been. Costuming, you I have guess. to buy the story rights. Is an existing that I think is probably property. the mo- the more expensive thing is buying the story rights. I I do agree with that. I, the casting you can get good people if it, it's a good enough guess, movie. I you can you get good people in, to do it in, cheap in micro budget independent film. Yeah, this is a Hollywood. This is an incredibly small budget for a film at two thousand one. Seven million. Thirteen million at this time is low budget. This, what I'm saying is like you for how much they had, like you could have made. What did you want different though? Nothing. I think you could have made this film the same. No, you just for to, a, you just for a lower you budget. Think they they wasted their budget. I think that, I don't know what they wasted their budget on. I can't figure you don't it feel out. Like <laughs> when you look, you don't feel like when you look at this, you're, you're seeing a seven million dollar film. No. Why? I I'm seeing I. I What's, two to th- what's two missing? To, two to three max. Not a chance no, in hell. Two, two to three max. Not a chance in hell. Look at the credits. That's just how, how many names are at, on the credits? Just look, look, look at, look at. You have to look, pay every one of those people like fifty k. Yeah, and you have to look at. <laughs> you have to look at other elements that aren't normally pulled off really well in low budget films, which is you have to look at the technical side of it. 
light how, how does the lighting look how are the scenes set up how how is it shot how's the picture how how is like the the editing of it like these simple subtle things are usually shit in lower budget films or areas where they go cheap on it was done really well in this movie i'm gonna deny that so i think you just kind of don't get the concept of seven million like you're talking seven million dollars for a uh, a a walk and talk film is basically there's not much that happens. This is a walk talking. and talk film. You're one hundred percent correct with that. This is a walk and talk film. Seven million dollars. That and Norris agrees. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I don't think seven million is too outrageous for this. Like I, you know to. I think this is they they push they push this one out there pretty good. I mean, walk a, a similar walk and talk film that I could put, not similar, but like an older. Uh, but Reservoir Dogs was what one point two million dollars to make. That's different. That's totally different films. You that, that you deal you deal you dealing with special effects. You deal you dealing with yeah like, squibs, gunplay. There's none of that yeah, in this movie. You that's, think it would have a bigger budget, but it only it only cost them one point two million dollars to make it. You're one hundred percent right, Kyle. That's Thank one you. set. Okay, you ready for this? Listen to this. Okay. Does anybody see the movie Big Kahuna? Uh, that Kevin With Spacey movie? Kevin Spacey movie. Three actors in a room, never leaves that fucking room. I've is never that seen what that movie is? Never leaves Never it. seen it. Because it's based on a play, okay. right? So it takes place in a play. It's only three actors, right? Okay. Uh, they never, the, the camera doesn't really move a lot. How much do you think that movie costs? Well, because of Kevin Spacey a lot. Yeah. $7 million. I believe that. Okay, so, so uh, now you're talking about another movie with multiple locations. You're talking, yeah, but you're also talking about Kevin Spacey comparative to this is like not Kevin. Sp- this is not Kevin Spacey like yeah, huge he, mode. He like, was this big, is... but he wasn't commanding yeah. like tons of money. I don't think he's not now anymore either. No, he's <laughs> but, definitely not anymore. He's definitely not anymore. Well, I'm look, just saying the fact that of the matter is uh, whatever. The, I I I like that. It's a great example because I didn't even know that's that's the kind of setup of that movie. But yeah, it, it's it's. There's a lot of things that go into either bloating a budget or a budget coming in I, under. Okay, and the other the other thing I say for that too is is like I feel like this does it it, it this film and I'm not I'm just not I'm not trying to knock it like I, I'm really not because I do but enjoy, I have a feeling you will but I, I do enjoy this movie. <laughs> There's always but a hairy it. butt in there. Yeah, I do enjoy this film. It's just it, for something that's trying to be so uh, anti-establishment. Sure is establishment. Like how so? Like in the film style, like it was. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like. That's the thing is, this doesn't feel like to me. It doesn't feel like an independent film. Like this feels like a Hollywood. This feels like a Hollywood movie to I, me. I it's think it's polish. because I think it's because what you've seen after this film were Hollywood films. What I like, I I can tell you right now. So one of the uh, Diablo Cody like yeah. copied this script and then used it so she could write Juno. And there's you can tell like when you see this film and you see Juno, you can see like a lot of similarities. Mm. Like I feel like a lot of films came out that are like this now. Oh, I, I agree. I think at the time in two thousand one, like think about what you're talking about. You're talking about like hey, you, comedies. You know what's funny though? That's what <laughs> the came example out. you gave with Juno looks way looks far more low budget. Like hands down. Should I look up that? It looks way more low budget yeah, what, than this film. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna what was Juno's up? budget? It's probably like it's twenty Juno's million. Budget. Well, that's the weird thing too. Is <laughs> like you say that, but this, this film, when I watched it, you know what I thought the whole time? Because I didn't know what year it came out. I was like, man, this is a 
It's a pretty good late 90s film. I thought it was a mid-90s, 94, 7.5 million for Juno. Okay. Yeah. Now, granted, it made considerably a lot more money. Than <laughs> <laughs> it made 231 million. Wow, so. yeah. Uh, that Jesus. Was a, that was a hit. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know hit. that. But yeah. there might not have been a Juno if there was no Ghost World. <laughs> is what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. I mean, so a little we bit, come like, back to this. a lot of uh, influence of that. Film. Yeah, when I first saw this I movie, like, I remember being drawn to it, and I don't think it was because, like... It's because it felt well done. It felt like not low budget to me, but I agree with that. You know, also, I now watching it with like my more like seasoned film watching eyes, I I noticed that I I see more themes in it now than I used to before. Before it was just seemed like it like an angsty teen, like like you said, like. She's trying to be punk. People are calling her out for not being punk rock. She's weird. She's offbeat. She's separating from a friend. You know, Doug in the grocery store. Like, but now I see it. Now I see like a lot more levels of their characters. You know, uh, on this view. Oh, I, oh, I agree with that. Like, d- definitely. I, I actually feel like I connected with this movie more now than I did with them when I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's for different reasons. Now I'm looking at more of the story. Before it was more like the eye candy. Well, because now, <laughs> now, 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 <laughs> now I look back at it and like I, I kind of see what I, the way I kind of see it is, is that Thor Burch's character is basically the one who's refusing to grow up. Where uh, you know uh, Scarlett Johansson is the one who's jumping into the real world. Where it's like I remember in high school being like, "Oh, dude, yeah, I don't want to. I'm not gonna have like the nine to fiver, and I don't want to, you know, Monday through Friday. I'm gonna be this, this, and I'm gonna do this." And then you get out and like of high school, and some people take jump right into that nine to five world, take off and, and go and run with it, and the other people kick and scream like, "No, I'm not gonna do that." But then they kind of realize is like. Life is real now. I have to do that because that's how you survive, uh, you know. And then you get to a place where you're like, "Man, I wish I had a nine to fiver." I don't know. I don't know if I 100 percent agree with that. I think a what? Wait, which part? Wait, wait what? Which what he part? said about uh, how he feels this this, this just is your entire uh, understanding of the movie. No, no, no. I think there's a, a whole other level of, yeah. of, of, okay. Let's um, see if you're on the I mean, page. there's obviously, you know, Rebecca is, finds interest in like guys and, you yeah. know, it, it, it's like the separation of their, of their friendship because they're both kind of wanting different things. I think you were saying that earlier on Kyle in the episode, right? Like these, these girls are being pulled apart. Maybe it was you, Mike. I think Sorry. It was these yeah, girls are being pulled apart. Say. But, you know, she's starting to, she doesn't think anybody can connect with her. She finally meets an older man, you know, who she feels like she, like, is drawn to and can have a relationship with. Like, all the while, you what? know. What? Sorry. Is that not right? I kind of disagree you with that. You took that that way? I kind of disagree with that. Uh, I disagree she's with clearly that drawn. She's clearly drawn. I think she's uh, she's drawn home. to him for sure. I don't think that's yeah. an incorrect statement. I, I think she's, okay. she's drawn Reasoning to him. Why. She's drawn to him, though, more the more the way that, like, uh, like uh, she's intrigued by him, she's intrigued by his life, and she's trying. I, I was, I took it as she was. She kind of got initially it started out as she kind of actually got some sort of subtle pleasure out of his the sad, like the the pain she caused. But then she also became intrigued and entranced by him, though. I don't think she was attract. She was initially attracted at all. I think she was. I think she was. I think one of the first things she says is like how how cute and like yeah she always puts everything in a way where it's like oh he's so sad he's so this or that but she hides behind her like i feel like she hides behind a personality can i tell you why the, i think that he's in love interest 
because he's everything that is not basically conformity, right? Where it's like he's an older guy, he's weird, he's no one else likes him, mm-hmm. so it's okay and it's cool for me to like him because that's that's what she's she's fighting against conformity the whole time. Rebecca's sitting there like, "Hey, we should get a job. We need to grow up. We need to get an apartment. This was the plan. Follow the plan." And she's kind of like, "Nah, I'm just gonna go off and we'd be whimsical and do whatever the hell I want." I don't know if I agree. This that's not really how I took this film. <laughs> Because they won't even move in together at the end. Think about the end. She's like, I got my like. I think I'm. Yeah, gonna but I didn't take it. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't take it as like Rebecca was trying to go. God, that 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 that. We're gonna follow the path we said. No, but, uh, no, no. But the problem, the problem with Thorburg's character just goes off on a flight of fancy on her own completely and doesn't even communicate what she what like she wants to do to Rebecca. So Rebecca's like, Rebe- I'm just kind of doing what I thought we were doing. We're, we're think, following the. Uh, I think as it goes on. I yeah. think, I well, gr- as it goes on, yeah, when I, as, as changes. It, well, of course she's going to change. Her friend that she spends every waking minute with is now obsessed with this other person. The further they're apart, she's going to have to like basically do something no, with her time. But like, I think you can see Rebecca also get more responsible as the as the movie goes on and realizes that she's leaving her friend in the dirt and she's literally blaming Seymour for it, but it's not Seymour's fault. That's why she says, you you don't know how we met you, Seymour, and she tells the whole story and turns on him because she's jealous, I agree. I didn't get jealousy of that scene at all. Oh, man, I did. Yeah, I thought she was doing it to be a bitch. I did yes. not take that at all, that oh, scene. Oh, she's definitely doing that to be because she's jealous and to be a bitch and to hurt him. I did not know. And her. No, because I did the not plan get that, was but, okay. the plan was for them to like grow up together, and that didn't happen because I don't think because, she wanted to grow up together. That's because of uh, uh, Enid, Eden, 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 Edith, <laughs> and not because of uh, the fucking joke of this whole fucking it, the fucking joke of this whole thing is this understanding that like if you get a job, you can't be your normal fucking wacky self. But you have to get a job. But it's also you have to get a job to progress. Like you have to become or you an adult. Get a to job progress. to simply maintain. Guys, I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't see this film as deeply as all you guys are talking about. I'm not. Tra- I'm. Tra- he's going down a path that is just. Well, I mean, here's what I saw of the film. It's a simple story about a girl who experiences what a lot of people feel like when they get out of high school is they have absolutely no fucking idea what they want to do with their lives. No direction. Yeah, she. I mean, yeah, but she's trying to figure that out, right? Like she says really early in the thing, I, all I wish is that I could get on a whatever and drive away and never look back or something or disappear from the world, right? Like I took the ending as like this ironic thing about it, right? That her direction is no direction. Like, does that make any sense to you guys? Mm. Here's this girl, right? She comes out of high school, right? She realizes that all the plans she had in high school, like many people do, all like are just completely like that like in action they don't work out right and then you kind of stumble around you try to figure yourself out like a lot of people do this in college they date people that they totally wouldn't have been attracted to they're trying to figure things out maybe they're trying to figure out who knows like maybe their sexuality or maybe they're filling out what kind of jobs they want to do for their lives or what like this girl is no different than any of that like the fact that she has green hair means nothing to me or that i don't i didn't find her any more quirky than anything. Like, the most telling part of it is when she tries to dress all punk at some point in time and a bunch of people criticize her and then she stops dressing that way. 
That's and, but that's that's I think a big part of the story is like she doesn't really like you said. Well, yeah, she doesn't quite know what she is yet. Right, exactly. Like, She's not like this free spirit that does what she wants whenever she wants to do it. Because if she did, she wouldn't give a shit what a bunch of people made fun of her about if she dyed her hair green. But like every single time she does one of these weird things to try to test something out, and somebody criticizes her, she immediately stops doing it. It's because she is has no fucking idea who she wants to be. She's lost. She's in a ghost world. She's in a ghost world, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I definitely see that, but I also see that. Like, I, I also see from the perspective of that she just, she also will not allow herself to. She's also stop. She's the only one. Like it's like she gets a job. She fucking burned that job on purpose. Sure, she does. But then she immediately a few, a few like scenes later is like, I'll get a job. She tries to like she thinks about doing it again. Yeah, it wasn't like she, she wants to because took she, this lesson and learned immediately. Like, well, she's also, well, I guess jobs aren't for me. She's also playing everybody in the goddamn movie, which is kind of, is a little weird. You think she's? I don't so, think she ever has as much. Control I don't think she just. Yeah. No, I don't think, for. I don't think she's no. in control. Uh, no, no, no. Get me wrong. I don't okay. think she's intentionally trying to hurt people. But think about it. She because she's not in control. She. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, but she does. She fucks over Steve Buscemi. She fucks over Rebecca. Like she fucks over the people in her lives. Like that's Seymour. unintentional. Yeah, she's not trying. I don't. To, I don't think it's, she sleeps. It's, she sleeps with Seymour because she doesn't understand. She hasn't quite figured out exactly, um, how how they're relate. Like she doesn't know how to understand the fact that Seymour is not hanging out with her anymore. Like here's this poor sad guy that was her only friend, right? And then immediately he gets a girlfriend. And, like, he doesn't hang out with her anymore, right? So she, immediately being confused about how that relationship works, she falls back on the only thing, well, maybe it's maybe it's because I'm in love with him. I agree. Oops. Nope, I wasn't. Yeah. And then Seymour immediately is just like, by the way, I've always been in love with you. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Like, I get where she was coming from. She thought that this was going to end a different way. She had no idea what her feelings were going to be the, morning, the next morning. And when she found out it wasn't the feelings that she thought she was going to have, she felt bad. And that's why she goes to see him in the hospital. She knows immediately after thinking about it for a few days. Oh, man, fuck. Like, I didn't mean to do that to him because I really thought this was going to end up a different... I thought I was in love with him, but it wasn't. It was just because I felt ashamed that I was being neglected. Or I didn't have his affection anymore, so... Right. Well, yeah. too, too, you can look at it as, like, she basically, basically here's this guy who went from almost lower than her social class... And now he's got somebody who's got something that he's doing more actively than her that doesn't involve her anymore. So she's feels that is neglected. True. She stops falling around. Like that is the one point in time where he's like he takes the lead. Yeah. After he wakes up the next morning, he's definitely like, So we're gonna continue doing this though, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's going out. And you can tell her immediately she's like, Fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although but I, I do wanna say I don't I, I don't wanna make Seymour out to be like I think Chris might be on this with me too. Like I don't want to make it be, seem like she didn't see things that genuinely oh, intrigued her. I think you hit. I think you I hit think the nail he, on the head with what you just said. I definitely think that she thought she was in love with him, and that was jealousy that arose when when the other uh, the blonde shows up. I actually, think it was the other way around. I think that she had no thoughts of love. Like she's like, ah, this no, is she just had, a thing. She had none towards him until well, someone yeah, else came. Until around. somebody else comes in the picture. And now all of a sudden I she's like, oh, this, I don't, I don't have, have this friend anymore. Right. So, so how do I get it back? How do I feel? Like, how do I, how do I understand these feelings of jealousy? Oh, I get it. I must be in love with them. Right. Mm. Yes. Got it. I'll sleep with them and then we'll be happy. 
Oh wait, never mind. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like again, and I think it goes into like the whole understanding of this movie. How I saw it was that Enid like just has no fucking idea. Like she hasn't figured these things out yet, and this is just a simple journey that a lot of people go on. Yeah, granted, it's you know it's it's been made into a movie, and there's yeah. a lot more. The thing is, is whatever, like, but, yeah. I'm led to believe that Enid probably never had a boyfriend before, or ne- was never really with anybody else. They talk about sleeping with people a lot, and I always wonder. But if I don't. That's I almost true. don't believe it. I almost think they're just saying that. But yeah. like. But so it's kind of, you know, like, I feel like she does sort of like, you know, this is like one of her like first encounters with somebody that she actually genuinely feels something for, you know, um, other than her best friend, you know, who obviously, uh, you know, they have issues in this movie. But, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like she was attracted to him in some way. That's why she's sketching him all the time. I'm not just saying like physically, but there was a, there was a draw to him. Like, you didn't feel like a certain amount of that draw was like a little bit based in, based in just a little bit of guilt though. Guilt. Um, guilt. Oh, like for him? I think at first, I think at first, like, I feel like, like, like he initially started out as a joke. Then, um, they got real sad. She got sad about it and she felt guilty about it. Then she's like, "Well, I'm gonna reach out to this person and make." She up made for it. My... <laughs> she decided to make it her fucking mission to get this dude laid because she fucking ragged on him basically and, and, by but, causing but a it, joke. Like again, I think it might go into maybe a little bit into who her character is. Right? She she acts first, acts feels first. a thing, yes, and then she's like, "Oh no, what's feeling, this thing?" I, I and then experiments with that feeling to see where it, where it's at. Yeah, but she. Kind of even all like she negatively negatively affects almost all of her relationships in this film, and it seems somewhat intentional. Like the even with the like the job, her dad, Rebecca, the she, the the stepmom or the old yeah. stepmom. Yeah, what was her uh, name? I can't remember. Uh, Seymour Maxine. Uh, it kind of seems like the art teacher. Yeah. Like she kind of bulldozes every like somehow fumbles every there's not one successful relationship that she gets out of this movie now thinking about it. I no, I don't think What's so. What's wrong with the what what where how did she bulldoze the art teacher? Well, the whole the, the controversial whole art. like artwork that was She totally up. played into the to the teacher. She totally knew what the teacher was into. She totally played into like yeah, no, yeah, but the te- I know. it was the it was the teacher's decision to show that piece. Yeah, but she knew that the teacher was going to buy into that bullshit that she was spewing bullshit and she knew the teacher was going to buy into it well she watched how the other artist girl was getting praised for her artwork and so she saw it as an opportunity to going back to mike's this is a light learning lesson for her from start to finish (laughs) it kind of is because she gets fucked on that too i mean that her neck like because it's like okay the apartment thing's not going to work i'm going to fall into my next thing which is the the scholarship and then that was taken away okay uh, you know, I'm gonna fall in love with this guy, and then that doesn't work, and then it's like, okay, I'm just gonna get on a bus and get out of town because I blew everything up. But can I say something? I also want to say that I feel like every single time, by the end of this film, every single one of those characters that she interacts with, you get to know their true character by the end of it, right? So, like the art teacher, right? Oh, she's super in art, and she's super into fighting the battle. But like at the end of it, she like totally fucks her out of a goddamn scholarship and doesn't fight back for her. Like, what, that's what are you talking about? So, like, she's the one that says, okay, we're going to put this... Most controversial Controversial shit up, yeah. racial, like, commentary, right. and we're going to put it into our uh, school, I guess it's a school right. gallery, okay. right? And then people get offended, 
And then she comes back and she said, okay, Mr. T- Miss Teacher, I filled out the scholarship to go to art school like you told me to because I'm so talented. And then she says, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, uh, we got some pushback and it looks like um, you're in trouble. Oh, and by the way, that scholarship, might as well tear it up. <laughs> like, this teacher, like, like that's I thought that scene was sad as fuck because she like didn't even it didn't seem genuine the apology and on top of that it's like did you even fight for this girl yeah but then like also, you were so into the picture and then you saw like maybe you might lose your job and immediately you were just like right. sorry you're well, she, yeah but fuck. also who do you who do you blame for who's at fault for that though is it the, t- the is teacher it... she put the fucking get thing in there she uh, had a choice she's a con- she's a conscious human being yeah. yeah but so but she's the adult in the situation yeah. I, She's not. She's 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 not the mercy she, of this girl's was, fucking wins. It's, it's the same thing as like female trouble. Like the characters in female trouble. The cops show up and immediately they're like, "Oh, never mind. I'm not super into art, <laughs> right?" Like so, that's a dick move. So we get to see her true character. We see Rebecca's true character. You know, she just like maybe she's not as quirky and weird as she is. She's just kind of like a regular girl, and she has humble future. Like she doesn't think she doesn't have to be a big star or any of these things, right? All the boys like her and stuff like that, but really she's kind of kind of average. But, he, but here's the thing. I kind of took her character as like uh, in the same vein. I kind of took it as like she was she probably just wanted to get the fuck out of her parents' house. I mean, isn't that step 2 yeah, out of graduating also, high school? Like, let's get the like, fuck out not, of here. She's not going to she's not getting on the tr- the the bus with, with No, Enid. she's not getting on the bus with right. Enid, but I don't think her character I don't know. I never I never got the impression that her character would have I feel like at any Re- point. Rebecca's character was like just more open, t- open to being like the more positive one, whereas Enid had just always found like the yeah. worst in everything. Like she was always like the disapproving, judgmental one, and you could see like Rebecca's character start to get a little bit more like, well, it's not so bad, or you know, whatever. It's not as like at the coffee shop when she's yeah. working. You know, she's like, God, these people suck, and she's like, Yeah, they're not that bad. You know, yeah. And it's like you can see that they're how their characters differ from an immature personality like Enid's, and like Rebecca starting to become like more adult. Adult. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, is Rebecca is I feel like the the this is how it's supposed to go, but you for some reason cannot figure this out. But I, what I, what I want to say is I don't want to make and it sound like. Like Rebecca's right and Enid's wrong. No, no, Rebecca's wrong too. Right. I, I, the whole Steve no, Buscemi thing is fucked I don't, up. No, I don't. I think they're both right. I just think Rebecca goes on her journey, mm-hmm. and Enid goes on her journey, and that's what's right for the two. I of see, them. but the, the thing is, is, is realistically though, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, is that at some point, uh, the way I saw it is Enid may go on her journey, but she's always gonna, she's gonna end up back right where she was, like. Like where oh, Rebecca no, started. I think the understanding is that she goes on a goddamn ghost bus and she's never coming back. <laughs> she's good. She's gone, man. <laughs> she went wherever that old man went. I was gonna, a- I was gonna ask, <laughs> I was gonna ask you guys about the ending because it's, it is a little, it's the most like everything else seems somewhat grounded emotionally and I feel like physically in reality with this movie until the very end where it does take that like, and then the bus showed up and then the next day she got on that bus and then she disappeared, mm-hmm. like. I don't know what the ending is trying to represent. So you think it's it's her just going off onto her journey, and you're you're supposed well, to think of whatever. Well, or? she says it at the beginning of the film, like says something to I think it's Seymour, like mm-hmm. that I just want to leave and never ever come back, just disappear altogether. Like if I had if I had a choice of things that I would love to do in my life, that would be it. 
What do you think and this happens? Sim- what do you think the symbology of the old man sitting there waiting persistently for this bus to show up? That was, was... the one I was. Uh, that's the one thing in this film I definitely was a little like I had a hard time. Like, I don't really know what it means. Figure out is what it, it supposed to be? Is it just that if you believe enough in what you want, it will, you can get it? Or I suppose like... so. There's an interesting time where she does go up to him and says. You know a bus is not coming, and he's like, you know, you don't you know, know what the know fuck what you're, you're talking, talking about, about right? <laughs> like, so I think that there's something in that. There's something in that exchange uh, that really. Hmm. It obviously means something, and especially does. because the film ends with her getting on that bus that she never thought was going to show I, up. I'm trying to remember the. the emo- I'm trying to remember time. the emotion that I had in that scene when she talks to him because there was something that popped in my head. Uh, I think the I I think the the emotional response that I had towards that old man character was like he is like a representation of maybe he's a representation of like choosing to not move forward. I think he's a representation of something that she can always count on to be there. And like when that finally left, then it was just like the it, that is true. That is like the last straw of the thing that's left her life. She's uh, she's kind of her friends gone. Her uh, her relationship with Seymour is finished. She really doesn't have much left. I but I see that. The more important question is how we, what we were initially talking about is feelings on what that bus actually is. I I see I see that the the I like the the it's the one thing that she can count on and leave. It, that it'll always be there, but she also kind of forces these people out of her lives on her own by an ignorance of her actions. Yes, you know what I mean. I think that's something so you gotta remember. Is yeah. that it's a, no, her, no, all her actions live in in a realm of ignorance. I don't know what it means, and I don't know that there's supposed to be like a a concrete concrete answer to that. Yeah, I think not. it was just it's maybe like. Well, what you know, she finally just what gives in and and and, and I, leaves. What I see town. happening is is the literal is what she does is she gets on a bus and it takes her to the next city, and she gets off on that city, and she's like, "What am I gonna do now?" It's a new ghost world. I better get a fucking job because I have no money, <laughs> <laughs> and then she has to get a job at a coffee shop, and then she rents an apartment. Yeah, and then she just basically does what she was supposed to do with fucking. <laughs> I took it as the. Uh, I took it as more of a. Um, Fantasy for her. That's what I took it as. Oh. I, I took it as she was. I, I don't. Mentally. I don't necessarily know if she even actually got on that bus or even walked to that station that day. I think that she was kind of just fantasizing about that was a mental about mentally hmm. leaving this town or 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 behind or something. Because I mean, there's nothing else in the film that indicates that something of a of a metaphysical properties exist. The, the other thing so. too is what is what is she so unhappy about with this place? That's it's not, she's it's, not she's not unhappy. She has no idea what she wants. Yeah. She she has a deep like fantasy. Like she has this child it's something like a childhood fantasy or something like that. She talks about it at some point in time about like wanting to disappear and never coming back. And then like that happens. Like she's 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 like it takes her a while to figure out how to get to that place, but once she recognizes it, she knows it's the bus. Does that make any sense? So it's gonna take her away metaphorically, or I th- yeah, I think literally. That, that's that's where the film. I, I come on, the bus definitely is the break from reality, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now if it, it's, I don't know if it exists. That's right now, it's more of a I, symbolic. I thing, actually question I if the guy sitting there waiting existed the whole time. Well, Rebecca could see him. 
Does anybody of the character interact with him other than her? Oh, yeah. Rebecca see, says, "Why don't you uh, ask him?" Yeah, she just, does. She yeah. does acknowledge his existence. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to debate or argue the fact that there's probably an old man that just sat at that bus stop forever, and that was something yeah. to rely on. I. I. What I will. What I will say that I don't believe is I don't believe that she looked over at him one day and a bus from the 1950s fucking rolled up and picked him up and she walked to that station the next day and was picked up by a bus. That didn't happen. Can you guys think that that was the bus to heaven and he died and then she got on the bus to heaven and and she's like I'm just gonna take this bus to heaven. And then like like the black demon creature started chasing the bus. She killed herself. She killed herself that night because she was so depressed. I She got on the bus of death. I don't think any of that. That is what happened, Mike. That's our show for this week. If you're, <laughs> I do, I do find it odd that, and maybe you got Chris. Maybe you can agree with me because no, no one else is. Uh, <laughs> but just, like I, I did find it odd that the old man waited forever. For, it seemed like he was waiting forever for the bus, and Edith just like shows up the next day and gets on it. Right. Well, yeah. and that's what I, that's, I, what, also, that's what told me that it wasn't yeah. that's real. Why, yeah. That's why it tells me it's death. I want to go back and watch it again <laughs> because I think there was a whole thing with the the bench saying not in service, and then in some shots it didn't say not in service. Oh, like it only said it only that. said not in I service when the old man got picked got up. up. Yeah. Right, exactly. So yeah. I'm like, mm, maybe there's even a little bit more to that, but I don't. I, I again, I think it's. Hmm. I really think I think I think there's an old man that that does exist on that well, bus stop. I think he does wait, and maybe he's just an old fucking you know, senile dude. And that's all he you. does. Maybe he did die. Maybe I'm on something with this, that with this with this purgatory mm-hmm. thing. Purgatory? purgatory? Yeah. What? Wouldn't Ghost World be another term for like purgatory? What? No. Yeah. I mean, no you think she's caught in limbo? Yeah. Oh, like God. that's now we're getting real yeah. weird. No, 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 not 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 physically, but like mentally. Like this town is a representation. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny is when <laughs> of, li- of limbo, when yeah, people yeah. get stuck in it. I will say this. I, I I'm gonna actually I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on you right now. Piggyback because when <laughs> the final scene of the bus going across the bridge happened, I said, "Oh, oh, what is that? The fucking the boat going across the river of sticks? Oh, <laughs> shuttling I, these people yeah. to fucking I'm not be judged? Like, like, like a literal. I'm not meaning in the literal sense, but I mean, I wonder if that's an overarching like kind of." Maybe in, in her mind, I wouldn't doubt it. In her mind, mind that she like, thinks she lives in, in fucking in, purgatory. Yeah, she's stuck in purgatory. She's stuck in limbo, being in this town, and well, she has to get out of this ghost world. Or what about oh this, guys? God. What about this? Okay, so like, ghost. There's wow. Enid and her life, and there's this push and pull constant, like this battle, but uh-huh. like no shots are ever fired. Much like the Cold War. Oh. <laughs> and I think that's what this film is really all about. Internal Cold War. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, Cold War it, of the and, mind. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And just like the Cold War, she used other people to fight that battle. You yes. know, she pitted her exactly. dad against the, the stepmom and let that play Never out. quite firing any shots herself. No, no, no. Just orchestrating. Yes. They're more of proxy wars. <laughs> yeah, I would believe, yeah. <laughs> Cold War moment. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more. Or we'll rate it. Or we're going to rate this Mamber Jammer when, when we come, come back. back. <laughs> when we come back, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to rate this Mamber Jammer Ghost World. How can you stand all these assholes? Some people are okay, but mostly I just feel like poisoning everybody. Well, at least the wheelchair guy is entertaining. 
He doesn't even need that wheelchair. He's just totally lazy. <laughs> that rules. No, it really doesn't. You'll see. You get totally sick of all the creeps and losers and weirdos. But those are our people. Yeah, well. So when are you going to get a job? And we're back. We're going to rate this Mamma Jammer. Mike, what are we rating Ghost World? Oh, we're going to rate the 78s. Got to rate the 78s. I don't know what that is. It's the records that he was... I'm just kidding. <laughs> you <laughs> fell for it. It's the year that the... Re- gotcha. you know, it has a... I don't pay for... Kyle re- does comedy. Here's the thing. It's I'll- all misdirection jokes with Kyle. I just picture <laughs> a tumbleweed bouncing by. Here's the thing, guys. I'll go, I'll go first on this one. I don't buy cracked records. Okay. Okay, cool. Even if it's you fair, know that about even, me. Even if it's tight, you know that about me. No, I would give this movie, uh, upon rewatching it, a uh, 3.5. Um, not quite a 4, not quite a 5. Enjoyable. I think there is a message there. What I thought was cool is we all kind of picked up on different things. I like what you guys picked up on, though, and that helped me. I didn't Going into this movie, I didn't know what I was going to rate it. Uh, the There is some parts to this movie where you zone out a little bit, where I think the pacing could be a little bit quicker. Uh, otherwise from that, I think it's pretty enjoyable. The performances are all stellar, man. Steve Buscemi's fantastic in this film. Thor Birch is fantastic in this film. Scar jo, you know, she's always great. Um, even what's his name? The dude who plays, uh, Doug. <laughs> Let's call him Doug. The fucking, the guy, oh, in the, the, the guy nun, with the nunchucks. The nunchuck guy. Fucking Can I be honest with you? I had no idea who that was. I have no idea who that is. That's some kind of 2000 joke. What? That's like some kind of 2000 joke, isn't that? Isn't that a guy? That's like that's a guy from something. <laughs> that's a guy from something. It is. That was like it, fe- it feels it like, like a Beavis and Butthead character. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But like at first, I thought it was like um, what's his name? Um, Sam Rockwell at first. Oh, okay. Like a character that Lee Sam Rockwell. But then I saw how like that that was his real abs and body. And I was like, I don't think Sam Rockwell ever like go- got ripped like that. that guy. His name was Dave Sheardon. What else has he been in? Yeah, is he like a martial artist or something? Like, no, what's going no, on here? Yeah, is he a power th- I, reckon, I recognize the mullet for some reason. He was incredibly good at acting because he was really good. He was uh, Ed Sheeran's cut. No, <laughs> he was the fucking uh, he in scary. Okay, you know him from Scary Movie. I do. Yes, he played David Arquette's parody the, the parody in yeah. Scary Movie. Okay. Oh, okay, that All right. makes sense. All right, well, that's what I would at least would know him from. Okay, what's his anyways, name again? Uh, Dave Sheeran. Good job, Dave Sheridan. So, anyways, back to my review. Uh, I think it's a solid movie. I don't think uh, I don't hold it as in high regard as I did when I was a teenager because I thought it was something. I don't know. I thought it was more stylistic. I remember it being more stylistic than it is now. Uh, not that it's not stylistic. I don't know. It's just a three point five. Watch the movie, Chris. Well, you gave it 3.5. I'm going to give it a four. Um, this is a film that I've really always enjoyed watching. And there's a lot of scenes that we didn't talk about because it is a lot of walking and talking. But um, there's a whole video store scene, which I really enjoyed. There's the adult store scene that we didn't talk about that I thought was really funny. I laughed out loud quite a bit in this film. And I think it really does still hold up, even though it's like an angsty teen dark comedy, I guess, from the early 2000s. Um it didn't feel so dated to me. Like when I watched Jawbreaker, I just felt like that movie felt so dated. Whereas like this one, um, you know, still holds up. I love the style. I love the, I love the, the colors that they used in this film. The casting was great. You know, everything down to, you know, Seymour's roommate who is Pat from heavyweights, you know, like just seeing him in here. 
Um, there was a lot of things that I forgot about this movie that I really liked. So I'm going to give it a four. I don't exactly know what this whole story is about or what it means, but you know, every time I watch it, I feel like I take a little bit of something extra away. Kyle. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2.5 on this one. Um, and I'm going to take a page from the book of Cody is, um, I had a really hard time giving a shit about most of these characters. Um, I think at that is an interesting story and it's, and it's kind of this slice of life from this, these kind of angsty teens, uh, day to day. But like, I kind of had a hard time really like connecting with any of them. I kind of didn't really care about whatever it was that Eden was having an issue with. Uh, Cause I feel like she, I don't know. I, I, I just, I feel like, I feel like her actions just seem unjustifiable in a sense. And I don't really care that her relationship with her friend Rebecca is on the fritz because she doesn't seem like she even fucking gives a shit about that. And the characters that actually I did enjoy were actually the supporting cast. I enjoyed them more. I, I liked the art teacher. She made me laugh. The, the nunchuck dude from the store. I thought he was entertaining. And I like Steve Buscemi's character to an extent. I feel like he definitely, he did, he did play a bit of a irritating fucking dude for in some points of it. So I, I, it's middle of the road for me. Like I, I get, actually, I don't, I, I mean, because I'm not probably because I wasn't in on it when it first came out. I don't fully appreciate the, the cult following. I've never read the comic book, so I have no attachment to that in in any way, shape or form. So, I mean, middle of the road, it was, uh, it was okay. It was, I had a better time talking about it with you guys than actually watching the movie. Mike. I really like this film guys. I'm not going to lie. It's uh it's Thor Birch at her birchiest. <laughs> And yet it's Scarlett Johansson at her least Johansiest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, I really liked it. Uh, I like I like the art direction. I, I I actually like I like films like Juno and stuff like that. And it's good to like see this film and kind of be like, oh yeah, like this is where it all kind of came from. I don't want to say like it's all where it came from, but like I can see the influence there. I can I can tell. Um, I I've always liked films like this. Not dark. Can we even call it dark? No. no. It's almost like Not gray really. comedy. Yeah. Like no one dies. But like, it's like there monotone is comedy. Like a, yeah. And I've always kind of melancholy like films like this. I will say that to to Cody's point, there are times when it kind of drags a little bit. I'm just kind of like, all right, get to the fucking point. You know, like, all right, here you go. But other than that, like, well acted, um, great tone. I'd I'd buy this and own it, right next to my copy of Solo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I would give this a four four seventy eights. Hey, I I want to interject this too, just real quick too, because please do. Uh, I when I watch this movie, man, all I see is I see like nineties teen angst, where I see like I see Daria, I do see Beavis and Butthead in it, mm-hmm. like I see those influences in this probably more than than the maybe the source material of of. Ghost World. I've well, never read it, I, but yeah, I was gonna say like if yeah. anybody if we haven't read it, yeah, no one have now, a commentary. Now, on but, also, but also keep in mind like this dude like like we go off. He like he did like the R. Crumb like documentary. Yeah, he seems to be really into like the comic. Yeah, uh, and especially world. like the type of like dramatic comics. Yeah, like he's definitely not doing Avengers Infinity War two. Well, another thing we didn't really bring up, but I thought was a big part of this movie was the music that they used in it. You yeah. know, it was just really, Fantastic really choices. interesting choices and actually like, really fun choices. I, I love the music. And yes, like, so. I don't know if this is because I had 
seen the end of the film or whatever, but the Indian Bollywood music that was playing, mm-hmm. I, th- I swear I've heard that before. Indian uh, so rock have and I. Roll. Yeah, might be I popular. swear I said the same I, thing. I was like, this sounds so familiar. Like it was like, like, and then I thought, like, well, I haven't seen this scene before because I realized immediately. I was like, oh man, maybe I haven't seen this film all the way through. I don't know why I know that song though. Yeah. All right, guys, that is our show for this week. Let's do the shout out. We got a shout out. Does someone want to read it? Yeah, I've got that review. Um, title's review is so good. This is left to us by from a Chiquito. I would say Chiquito. That's good. Yeah. We'll go with that. Five-star review. And the review says, So hard to find an enjoyable podcast for movie lovers and film nerds alike without being constantly annoyed. I approve. I Well, thank you for thinking I'm not annoying. I approve as well. <laughs> you clearly don't listen to the end where the acts yeah. part happens. <laughs> yeah. He must have cut that off. Yeah. yeah. You keep doing what you're doing and not listen to that part. No one does. No one does. It makes it very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Five-star review. Fuck yeah. To keep out. Thank you. Remember, guys, if you leave us a five-star review and you write something, we'll give you a shout-out at the end of the show. On the way to 100, that's number 92. Yes. Got eight more to go. Eight more to go. Did we re- read this last one here from Kyle Bunnies? Oh, wow. We did, that's, when was then, that that's from? two new reviews. This is May 10th. Oh, well, then here's another did, one that says the, the title is That's a Line. And he says five stars just for Kyle. Ah, Dang. Thanks, Kyle Bunnies. Just giving him what he wants. Well, is that Kyle? The name is Kyle Bunnies. Is it Kyle? Is Kyle? You know what? He's is it Kyle who's writing He's giving me five stars because both have great name. <laughs> <laughs> totally original. No one's ever had it before. <laughs> you know, us, Kyle, uh, uh, us Kyle's got to stick together. Very you fucking uncommon. Mike. Yeah, well, That's our hey, show. I'm not the one, uh, I was say, we all have very un- or very yeah. common names. Yeah, pretty right. much. And pre- incredibly white. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show for this week. Remember to follow us on social media at ColtFilm underscore review on Instagram and Twitter. Also on Facebook. Check out our website, ColtFilmAndReview.com. And remember, you can follow Kyle at... Jesus, man, you really want to end that. I want to leave this place so bad. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at ColtFilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at... ColtFilm underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow my at... At Shoutout. No. <laughs> at Mike Salustio <laughs> on Twitter. And you can also follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram. <laughs> And Snapchat. Uh, uh, those guys. So remember, if you're going to join a 14-year-old, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next time.